are listening to Have You Ever Heard Of? A history podcast. You can support us by following us on Patreon, Twitter and Instagram at Have You Ever Pod. Hi, Dan. Hi, Katie. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. So we had a week off, didn't we? We did have a week off because you moved house. Because I moved house. That's... Um, how is the new house? It's, it's all right, actually. It's quite nice. It's nice to have space. It's kind of cool to have like some greenery and stuff. You have also... a garden, right? We have For a garden. There's yeah. also just like a, I don't know, just parks and like woods and stuff everywhere, which is quite nice. But I'm still on the northern line, so I can still get to Camden. <laughs> Number one criteria. Yeah. Literally the only place I hang out, Camden. Never grew out anyway, that place. If any of you want to stalk Dan, just <laughs> head to Camden of a Friday, Saturday night and you will... And I will be there. He will be there. Without fail. There. Yeah, this is weirdly nice. There's like footballers and stuff that live around here, apparently. I don't know. Got, I don't know anything don't about care, football. Do you yeah, don't no. know anything about football. No. It's my granddad's 90th birthday tomorrow, so shout out to Grumps. Ah. Happy 90th birthday. Happy birthday, Grandpa Maiden. Is it Maiden? Grandpa Maiden? Uh, No, it's neat, actually. Ah, neat. Yeah, so it's my mother's side. Different surname. Wasn't that like um, an acronym for something at one point? Like the government would talk about them. Or potentially, maybe without, we have an E at the end. Not in education, employed teens. Is it that? Something like that. I don't know. I know, like, there's the one that's like how to work out someone's having a heart attack, is it? No, someone's having a stroke. It's like fast face, speech, something, something. (laughs) (laughs) I should probably learn these things. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, maybe maybe we are entering the realms of (laughs) strokes now. We are not that old. No, not that old. Being in our mid to late 30s does not make sense. Uh, Me mid, mid, you late. (laughs) I'm saying mid. (laughs) Seven is only two over five. Mid. (laughs) Um, So this is going to be a two-parter because when I was doing it, I realised that it's way too long to do in one episode. And also, this person deserves... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited about this one because I have three passions in life. Music, history, and pro wrestling. Pro wrestling, <laughs> and this one falls into the third category. So, for those of you who don't know, me and Dan are both big fans of pro wrestling, but particularly the WWE. Absolutely. In this episode, I'm going to have to be using WWE and WWF interchangeably because they, at this, for most of this, they haven't changed their name yet. Yeah. We're not just talking about the WWE, we're talking about a particular person, and you're probably wondering why does this fall into new identities? <laughs> And this is because this person has changed their name more times than I think anybody in pro wrestling. <laughs> like, they are all over the shop. So if you get confused at some point and be like, who are you talking about? It's probably talking about the same person <laughs> because they, they just keep changing. I'm going to say, like, and then they change their name to da-da-da. So, Dan, I know it's my character, but tell me who we're talking about today. We're talking about the uh, hardcore legend himself. Mick Foley. Here we are. So Mick Foley is my favourite. I have a Cactus Jack t-shirt that my boyfriend bought me for Valentine's Day (laughs) one year because romance. Yeah, so let's just, we're going to mainly focus on his actual wrestling career as opposed to his personal life. I'll I'll introduce his like personal life a little bit now just where he's born and stuff. And then in the next episode, I'll just talk about what he's done post pro wrestling. So cool, this cool. one will be early life, early pro wrestling, and then the beginning of WWE. And then next episode will be the rest of WWE and his life post-wrestling. Sweet. Okay. So Mick Foley was born Michael Francis Foley in Bloomington, Indiana on the 7th of June, 1965. He is an older brother called John and his family of Irish descent. Shortly after being born, they moved to Long Island. 
he went toward Melville High School where he played lacrosse and wrestled. And he actually wrestled with the actor Kevin James. Oh, really? Yeah, at high school. (laughs) Um, He went to State University of New York at Cortland. And while he was there, he hitchhiked to Madison Square Garden to see his favorite wrestler, Jimmy Snucker. Do you know who that is? Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Snucker. <laughs> Superfly. In a steel cage match against Don McCarthy. Oh, with the big splash off the top Rapid. of the cage. Legendary match. He said that Sunka's body fly splash from the top <laughs> of the cage inspired him to pursue a career in pro wrestling. He actually had a seat close to the front, and there's a video of the event, and you can see Vink Foley in that video. Oh, yeah, I've seen that clip. When he was a, a teen. So let's talk about his training and early career. And this is like 1983 to 1991. Nearly days. So Foley formally trained at Dominic Denuki's, I think that's how you pronounce it, Denuki's wrestling school in Freedom, Pennsylvania. And he debuted in 1983. In addition to appearing on Denuki's cards, Foley and several other students also t- took part in some squash matches as jobbers for WWF TV tapings of primetime wrestling and superstars of wrestling, where Foley wrestled under the names Jack Foley and Nick Foley. So those were his two, like, first wrestling names. Original aliases. Which are are, are very similar to his actual name. (laughs) So like (laughs) a Foley in them. A squash match. For listeners who are in like a oh, yeah, so that, I'm not talking about like <laughs> squash like with racket. Yeah. It's basically it's uh where you're trying to push a wrestler so you just feed other wrestlers to them in like very quick matches where they're just destroyed. So Mick Foley yeah. would have been destroyed by like whoever the WWE were trying to get over at the time. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like he 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 in his career in general not in general forever, but like at the beginning at least, was kind of used in these. He's just so hardcore that he can just be pushed around. Yeah, a good lot. selling. That's what yeah. you need is like an enhancement guy. Mm-hmm. Sell moves. So, in one of these matches, actually, um, which was the first episode of Superstars, Foley was hit with such force that he was he was unable to eat solid food for several weeks. Jeez. He's that kind of guy. I mean, also, trigger warning for, like, any kind of injuries. <laughs> like, if there's an injury you can think of, Foley's probably had it. That's also a pattern for the rest of his career. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, after several years of wrestling in the independent circuit, Foley began receiving offers from various regional promotions, including the UWF, which is the Universal Wrestling Federation. He actually joined the Memphis-based CWA, which is the <laughs> Continental Wrestling Association, as Cactus Jack, which is one of the names that a lot of people know yeah. as. Um, I have the my t-shirt says, like, wanted to revive Cactus Jack. Um, and he teamed with Gary Young as part of Stud Stable. <laughs> so when I say team, I mean, like, it's like a double, double yeah, team. Yeah. Cactus and Young briefly held the CWA tag titles, even as late as 1988. Uh, but then uh, Foley left CWA for Texas-based world-class championship wrestling. So that's the WCCW. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the territory days. Yeah, you really don't know what to remember what exactly <laughs> He was actually billed as Cactus Jack Manson. And the addition of Manson to Foley's name um, implied this connection to like Charles Manson. Yeah. But this made Mick Foley actually really uncomfortable. <laughs> he didn't want to be associated with that because actually yeah, that is quite like extreme, the nicest like, guy yeah. ever in real life. <laughs> so it's like he didn't really want to be associated with that. So under the WCCW, he won several titles, including the company's lightweight and tag team titles uh, before leaving the company and losing his last match to Eric Embry in nine seconds. Oh man, that's a proper squash. Yeah, so he then briefly competed in Alabama's Continental Wrestling Federation before completing a brief stint at the World Championship Wrestling. Wrestling was so interesting in these days. So, like, there was just territory, so it was properly regional, where, like, no other mm. federation could kind of, like, step on another federation's, like, ties. 
Like turf. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like mm. proper turf wars until the WWWF, as it was called at the time, decided yeah. to change all those rules. But we'll get, I'm sure that will come to that. The yeah, why this why one of the reasons that his career is really interesting because because it, it kind of shows the progression of the wrestling yeah. world in general, not just like his career. It's like how the WWE, as we call it now, yeah. changed everything basically. <clears throat> so for much of his time at this point, he would team with jobbers, and the jobber would lose the match for the team. Cactus Jack would attack his partner, throw them out of the ring, and deliver his infamous ring apron flying elbow to the concrete floor. It was during this period that Foley was involved in a real-life car accident that resulted in the loss of his two front teeth, adding to his distinctive look for which he is famous. Following a short stint with the WCW, Foley then signed with Herb Abrams Universal Wrestling Federation. However, he soon left the UWF for Tri-State Wrestling, his high-impact and violent wrestling style fit Foley very well. <laughs> On the 18th of May in Philadelphia, he and Eddie Gilbert had a barbed wire match, a sight not Classic. often seen in professional <laughs> wrestling in the US, and an object Foley would often be associated with. So, Barbie, yeah, the barbed wire bat. It can get pretty, really gruesome, like bloody. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. barbed wire would be wrapped around wrapped with ropes around the ring and Cactus and Gilbert both bled heavily during one of these matches which ended with Gilbert throwing Cactus into the ring ropes and he did a hangman which you can imagine it's where a wrestler's head is tangled between the top two ropes of the ring and obviously at this point it was rope and barbed wire yes we hardcore hardcore legend man Later that year as well, on one particular night in 1991, Cactus, Jack and Eddie Gilbert had three matches in one night. These matches caught the attention of WCW promoters, in large part due to widespread photo circulation. So, mm. And in the pre-internet like internet days. Like... Yeah, I mean, this is 91, so this is still... I mean, I'm two at this point. Mm. So it went viral just in real life. Yeah, just people like just like passing around. Yeah, I was like in old school Instagram. Here you go, just check <laughs> this out. <laughs> Take this Polaroid out. I'm like, God, I wish that still happened. Like someone just knocked on my door yeah, and was like, "Here's a picture of Mick Foley." <laughs> yeah. like, pass, it on, pass it on. Pass it on. <laughs> In 1991, after a brief stint of working for the Global Wrestling Federation, Foley joined the WCW full time. So WCW, as a reminder, is the World Championship yeah. Wrestling. Boo! <laughs> Boo. Um, this is from 91 to 94. Okay. So on the 5th of September 1991, Cactus Jack debuted for the WCW. After feuds with Van Hammer and Abdullah the Butcher, Cactus Jack faced Sting and then WCW uh, Heavyweight Champion in a non-title Fools Count Anywhere match at Beach Blast in 1992, which Sting actually won. For a long time, Foley considered this the best match he ever worked. And that's why I wanted to mention it, even though he lost. (laughs) Yeah, that's not surprising. Sting is a legend. (laughs) Unlike Jack's first stint in WCW, where his personality was quieter, he was now outwardly Manacle, laughing hysterically, shrieking into the air while he choked his opponents and yelling his signature catchphrase, bang bang. (laughs) I'm gonna take you down! Bang bang! After spending a year and a half with WCW as a heel, can you explain what heel is? So a heel is a bad guy essentially. You have faces (laughs) who are the good guys, baby faces, Mm -hmm. and then you have heels who are the bad guys. Yeah. But basically, everyone likes heels, Mm -hmm. so it's really difficult. I mean, like, the heels are the interesting part of the storyline, really. Yeah, exactly. They're antagonists. Yeah. And then you've got the... The heroes. Nobody likes them, so it's fine. <laughs> Unless you're The Rock. Yeah, everyone loves The or Rock. Or Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, they're just the coolest wrestlers of all time. <laughs> well... I make fun of these in the time. Okay, so... He transitioned to a fan favourite. Cactus Jack wrestled Big Van Vader on the 6th of April 1993, winning by count out, but being severely beaten in the process. Though trained and athletic, the 
180 kilogram Vader, and just to put that in a bit of context, that's 400 pounds. He is like, he was like huge, but he could do like a moonsault, mm. which is like a backflip basically, where you just kind of like backflip and land on your front. He was incredible. Such He was such a good athlete, but he was fucking huge. Yeah, he was a notorious <laughs> stiff wrestler, and he hit so yeah. hard that most other wrestlers outright refused to work with him out of fear of severe injury. However, <laughs> however, Foley decided to continue his pro- program with Vader. Uh, and as a result of Cactus's victory in a rematch with Vader on the 24th of April, the two executed a dangerous spot to sell a storyline injury. So this is the what happened. Yeah. So Harley Race mo- removed the protective mats at the ringside and Vader powerbombed Cactus onto the exposed concrete floor, causing a legitimate concussion and causing Foley to temporarily lose the sensation in his left foot. Bloody hell. Yeah. Why did he do this sort of stuff? He's just a nutcase. <laughs> He's an absolute nutcase. And I love it. But like, <laughs> imagine like... You know, when you see pro wrestling and you see someone hit the floor, what you're seeing yeah. is them hitting a protective mat. Yeah, yeah. And you still look horrible. Yeah, Imagine yeah. that, but with no protective mat. <laughs> like Just actual concrete. Floor. Oh my God. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't break like, ribs and stuff anyway. Um, so while he was away, they have to run like a storyline. Why someone's away? Because <clears throat> the world of pro wrestling is all about storylines. Like the oh, whole yeah. thing is storylines, and it's that's what makes it beautiful. Like basically, you're like what? Like e.g., one of the best storylines of all time is when Stone Cold Steve Austin becomes like the CEO of WWE. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that whole feud with like Vince. Like yeah. I mean, there are storylines like that that are completely iconic, but you have to run a storyline if someone's away for a real personal reason, because you can't let it be like, oh no, he's away because he's had a concussion and he can't fit his left foot. So while he was away, they ran a storyline where a Captain Jack absence was explained with a farcical comedy storyline in which he went crazy, was institutionalized, escaped, and then developed amnesia. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like WCW. <laughs> yeah. Foley had wanted the injury storyline to be very serious and, gen- and generate like genuine s- sympathy for him, so it wasn't like his favorite yeah. storyline ever. In one of WCW's most violent and brutal matches of all time, Cactus faced Vader in a Texas death match, which is a variation on the like Last Man Standing match. Oh yeah, yeah. at Halloween Havoc in '93 in New Orleans. After having had a wheel being spun and then wheel stopping at like the match choice, so obviously that stuff is also scripted. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, oh no, what a shock! It's going to be McFoley, like whatever. So race, um, which is one of the guys, race won the match for Vader by using a stun gun on Cactus, knocking him oh, out. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> the level of violence and brutality involved in this match left the crowd and commentators in stunned disbelief. Both did not commentate much throughout the second half of the match. This also caused WCW, like, some problems because they, like, promote themselves like a, almost like a family-friendly yeah. kind of thing. So they refused to book Hector's Jack against Vader on pay-per-view again, basically, because it was just too violent. Like they're kind of like all wrestling's kind of like beholden to like the network that they their program like shows on. So mm. if it's too violent, the network don't like it. There's then. some interesting stuff about that as well, like coming up mm. with like WWE and how again they changed everything. <laughs> this yeah. episode could just be how WWE <laughs> changed everything. <laughs> so on the 16th of March '94, during a WCW European tour, Foley and Big Van Vader had one of the most infamous matches in wrestling history in Munich, Germany. Foley began a hangman, but neither wrestler was aware that the, the ring ropes had been drawn extra tight before the event. Oh, jeez. Why did they do that? Foley could barely move. 
When Foley finally freed himself from the ropes and fell out of the ring, his ears were badly split at the back. When Foley re-entered the ring, the two wrestlers began trading blows. This time, Vader reached up and grabbed Foley's right ear and ripped it off. The two men continued wrestling as the referee picked up the ear and gave it to the ring announcer. Vader claimed for years after that the ear had come off during the botched hangman maneuver. However, the WWE Network video, Vader admits that after seeing the footage that he had indeed removed Foley's ear. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell, Vader. So, what did Foley do? So, characters Jack, his you know, current persona, and Kevin Sullivan were scheduled to win the tag team titles. It's weird that I'm saying scheduled to win, but remember this is scripted, so yeah. 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 Um, the tag team titles in 94, Foley had to choose between reattaching his ear or winning the title. Or like, and he chose. And he chose. And he chose correctly. He chose to wrestle. So <laughs> um, he chose to wrestle and he won his only championship in WCW. Later on, Foley was frustrated by WCW and the company's new head um, and their reluctance to work a storyline with Vader about losing his ear. Because, like, this dude lost an ear. He wanted a storyline out of That's, it. like, storyline gold. Yeah. But if this was WWE, there would be a storyline about, like, I don't know him. Like he would hold the ear up and be like, "I can yeah. hear you." Or something. You know. I mean, like a couple of it's about a year ago, there was a storyline where Seth Rollins tried to take out like Rey Mysterio's eye. Oh, WWE love that shit. Phone's <laughs> <laughs> frustration turned into realization that he couldn't see like positive change with the new head of WCW, which is Eric Bischoff. Yeah, yeah. And he decided not the to renew his contract with WCW. His last match with them was violently brutal and chaotic, a tag team kind of street fight where characters were paired Max Payne and the Nasty Boys against them. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Classic team. That is a throwback. So, Cactus lost the match and he was, after he was shoved off a three foot high stage and landed back first on the concrete. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know how... This man is, like, indestructible. Maybe he just nev- won't ever die. <laughs> He'll be like... Yeah. He's been so beat up that like his body's just ball. kind of a bit weird. Just... <laughs> I mean, you can tell why this is going to be such a long, like, two parts, because, you know, we're only up yeah, to, like, this... 94 at this point. And there are a lot of stunts. I'm not going through every <laughs> single through. match. Like, that's ridiculous. We're just going through, like, some the important... Highlights. Yeah, highlights. But there's just a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 94 to 96, independent and Japanese circuits. So after leaving WCW for the next 21 months, Foley wrestled as Cactus Jack for various promotions in the US and Japan. Foley began making trips between the US and Japan in January 95 and would mainly alternate wrestling in ECW and IWA. And I think IWA is the Japanese one, right? Yeah. So, Cactus Jack's first appearance with the Eastern Championship Wrestling came in May 94, in which Cactus revealed as Sabu's opponent. Sabu. Yeah, at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. At the tail end of 94, Foley joined Jim Cortine's Smoky Mountain Wrestling as Cactus Jack, causing Boo Bradley to lose their SMW Beat the Champ Television Championship. However, uh, Foley actually returned to the ECW to feud with the Sandman. ECW, ECW, ECW. Okay, so Sandman teamed up with Funk and they had a particularly violent spot with Cactus Jack. So the pair hit Cactus with a kendo stick 46 times in a barbed wire rope match. Cactus Jack then defeated Funk in a showdown in 1995. Later, he repeatedly fought Sandman for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. The hardcore style differentiated Foley from other traditional wrestlers. So in ECW, Foley was right at home. So the thing, like, yeah, ECW was basically the promotion that brought hardcore wrestling to America. Mm. It was just, like, it wasn't just hardcore wrestling. People think, I kind of remember it that way, but it was, like, very heavily, like, 
crazy hardcore wrestling. Yeah. But then there was also like really, really like good technical wrestling as well. Like, I mean, like when I meant to like mention him because he went crazy and killed his whole family, but Chris Benoit started like in ECW along with like Eddie Guerrero. Mm hmm. Like, Rio Mysterio was on it, and, like, they just put on, like, amazing technical matches, which they yeah. did for, like, the rest of their career. But you also had, like, Raven and Cactus Jack and, like, the Sandman and Sabu, who were just, like, crazy hardcore wrestlers. <laughs> and, like, that's, I mean, like, so they tried to do, in, like, other promotions, but obviously, like, WCW, and, like, kind of frowned at it. So they kind of, like, found a home in ECW, and it was just dedicated to, like, hardcore wrestling. This is legendary. Paul Heyman. Genius. <laughs> Foley to Nashi enjoy working with Sandman, apparently. Sandman was really? ops, often no, intoxicated during matches yeah, yeah, and could perform right. properly, drinking large amounts of beer and smoking cigarettes made up a large part of Sandman's overall gimmick. However, 95 proved to be an interesting year for Foley, particularly in his time in ECW. Two incidents caused him to change the opinion of a promotion that most thought made him feel like he was at home so one instant i actually had to reread this several times to realize what had happened here so there was a sign at the front of the audience one night that said kane dewey this was done with foley's permission but he didn't know what it meant and later he understood but at that point he didn't know this is a reference to using a cynical kane on foley's real life eldest son yeah. That was the first instant. And then the second instant was witnessing a botch in the opening match of the Wrestle Cruiser in August 95, where T.G. Smith did a dive, slipped off the ring apron, and landed headfirst on the concrete. Oh, Smith was so severely concussed that his head began swelling on the spot, and the audience's response oh. to Smith was, you fucked up. Like, it's not... <laughs> Like, the storyline was fucked up, or... No. Like, when a wrestler hurts themselves, like, unintentionally, that's because there wasn't proper safety precautions put in place. That that challenge continued, though, when people botch things. So these instants... I mean, especially one about your real-life children, so just... Yeah. I will do personal life in the next episode, Mm -hmm. but Foley, married with children... Yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Very big, like, proper family man, yeah, despite his crazy man. antics in the ring. These incidents angered Foley so much that he furiously cut several memorable and scathing promos during his period to the channel. Um, his intense frustration and anger towards the ECW fans who felt asked too much from him and the ECW roster. Foley then began... Like, also, Go on. Like, uh, also, because, like... Um... He's also, like, on top of his wrestling, he's known as, like, one of the best promo guys. Yeah, Like, in the exactly. business. And, like, this is where it started, mm-hmm. when he started cutting these, like, shoot promos on, like, ECW. So he began a gimmick where he criticized hardcore wrestling and sought to renounce his status as a hardcore wrestling icon and used very technical, slow wrestling as a way to punish the audience. <laughs> <laughs> so as part of his heel gimmick as we explained, like the kind of bad guy. Um, He began praising WWF and WCW on ECW television, which angered the fans. So as Dan mentioned (laughs) earlier, it's a territory thing. He is now talking about other wrestling federations, like, you know, the the big one. As as I said, WWF, same thing as WWE. (laughs) Same thing. And um, he's talking about them on a channel that's owned by the people he's been working for. So this is not... Yeah. It's basically like being like like a punk in like a punk band, like in the punk city, mm. and just like like I don't know, like praising like Def Leppard, yeah, like like a big cool like rock band. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> so you look like mainstream shill. <laughs> so the fans were kind of angered by this, and yeah. Ruben started to spread that he was going to leave for the WWF. His last match for ECW was in March '96 at the Big Ass Extreme Bash. And he recounts that he was not looking forward to it due to the increasingly hostile reactions that he got. Uh, the ECW fans, knowing that this was Foe's last match, finally returned their affection, his affection towards them. They cheered him throughout the match and chanted, please don't go. Aww. So before we talk about WWF, I've just got to quickly mention Japan. 
So this is the IWA, and this is like 95 to 96. Mm-hmm. In 1995, Afoli also went to Japan and wrestled for the IWA, which is the International Wrestling Association of Japan. <laughs> so it's the IWA <laughs> Japan. Um, during his brief stint in Japan, he adopted a new nickname. Do you know what it is? Um, no. It's the Tsunami Stopper. Okay. But then. also worked as Catch Jack as well. The level of violence and brutality in hardcore wrestling in Japan was much higher than those of wrestling yeah. like promotions. Not so much the ECW, because that was known for it, but other ones in, in Western culture. It's because like Japan has like strong style, which is basically like the lines are very blurred between pro wrestling and like MMA. People just like actually hit each other. Mm, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean so I mean there's an example here. For example, um, Cactus faced a funk in a no ropes barbed wire scramble bunkhouse deathmatch. Oh, that was tongue twister <laughs> at the Honjo Gymnasium, which is in Saitama. Do you know where that is? In Japan, um, in Japan I assume. Oh, just north of Tokyo. Yeah. Is this a, okay. uh, in front of 150 people in a match that involved barbed wire as the ring ropes and objects set on fire. Nice. I mean, I want to see that. Sounds like my kind of match. Sounds really great, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but perhaps the most notable of Foley's matches in Japan was on the 20th of August 95, where the IWA organized a King of the Death match tournament at their Kawasai Dream event at the outdoor Kawasai Stadium, which featured some of the bloodiest, most violent, and most brutal matches of Foley's career. Each level of the tournament featured a new deadly gimmick. So, <laughs> Cactus Jack's first round during the day was barbed wire baseball bat, thumbtack death match, which you can imagine is just like a baseball bat with like barbed wire and thumbtacks in it, <laughs> in which he defeated uh, Terry Gorey. The second round is a barbed wire board bed of nails match. Nice. <laughs> the Cactus Jack defeated Soji Namakai. Okay, yeah. At night against Terry Funk, the final was a barbed wire rope, exploding barbed wire boards, and exploding <laughs> ring time bong deathmatch. I love Japanese wrestling, it's so good. <laughs> which which uh Cactus Jack won with the help of Tiger Jeet Singh. Just the names of all these things, like I don't even have never even seen that match, but I just wanna see it now. <laughs> like <laughs> After the match, both men were covered in blood, ravaged by flesh cuts from the wire and badly burned by the C4 explosions. Foley later said... The C4 explosions. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, only in Japan is fucking brilliant. <laughs> he actually said later that he only received $300 for the entire match. <laughs> Isn't that insane? That is crazy. Like, I would not do that for three hundred or any kind of money, to be honest. That's less than what I get paid a day. Like. Okay, that's depressing. <laughs> okay, so after the tournament, Foley's right arm had second-degree burns from the C4 explosions, and his arm smelt smelt of exposed chemicals. He went <laughs> on a 14-hour flight from Tokyo to JFK in in New York. I mean, like that probably cost more than three hundred dollars. Yeah, well. Unless flying. somebody paid for it, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so his father picked him up from the airport to take him back to his Long Island home and immediately smelt something unusual. <laughs> when Foley got <laughs> home, his father and wife kept asking him about the awful smell, but he wouldn't say anything, not wanting to worry. After his father left, his wife persisted and he revealed the burns to her. And it's like... Oh, man. What? He probably should have got them treated before you got on a 14-hour flight. <laughs> Uh, he would continue wrestling in Japan until 1990, uh, June 1996. The last notable match Foley had as Cactus Jack in Japan was a Caribbean barbed wire barricade glass death match. <laughs> so, oh, this is just tongue twisters. Against... I don't know how to pronounce this. Is it Wing? Kimura? Because it's like W-I-I-I-N-G. So Wing? Or... Anyway... Yeah, yeah. The Witch Cactus one. Yeah. So, we've now come to 96. And this is where we come to WWF, aka 
WWE. What year did the they biggie. change their name? Was it like uh, mid 2000s? Early 2000s. So WWE had to change their name because of the association with WWF, the charity. Yeah. Which is like the almost the opposite thing that you could like. <laughs> do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They're like almost opposite. But like, did you ever see those great T-shirts where like WWF T-shirts with the, the W like the WWF Panda? With like a steel chair. Oh yes, I do. Such a good like mix, isn't it? I mean, like I when they changed the name, those. like that was dead, and it's like, oh damn you, damn you, charity. Um, so yeah, well, so I will be referring to them as much as possible as WWE, but like in this, uh, like in this place where we are in history, they're still called the WWF. Yeah. So I'm really sorry if I mix them up. Just assume I'm never talking about the charity. <laughs> Unless I they literally say, campaign. and then they saved the pandas. No, okay. So <laughs> they had a great cap- campaign, like during this period, where like mm. get the f out is brilliant. So pretty well done in WWE. Um, Mick Foley kind of has three names. Yeah, not including his own regular name. <laughs> so throughout this, <laughs> you we will learn about the three names of Mick Foley. So in '96. At the persistence of Jim Ross, who Foley had known his days of WCW. Good old JR. WWE head Vince McMahon brought on Foley and he signed a contract. So Vince McMahon is becoming quite important to the story. <laughs> also, Vince McMahon at this time was stacked. I mean, he's still kind yeah, of stacked now. He's still stacked. But like, if you watched wrestling at like this, like late nineties, early thousands, and he looks so small, but then you see him with the shirt off, and you're like, oh my yeah. god, you're stacked. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, McMahon was not a fan of Cactus Jack and wanted to cover up Foley's face. So he was shown like several designs of a new heel character, so like a new bad guy with a leather mask and chains called Manson the Mutilator. However, <laughs> WWE decided that was too dark and left just the mask, although interested in the cor- the concept of the character, Foley didn't like the name either. I think this is his thing with Manson as well. He didn't like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why they kept trying to stick that on him. I don't know. Really like, it's just a bearded man, isn't yeah. it, basically? Yeah. So he came up with the name Mankind. Which... This is my favourite one. <laughs> my favourite person I love. Oh, you can Jack. <laughs> um, which McMahon liked and approved. So, Foley was determined to make the Mankind characters not like Cactus Jack with a mask mm. and a different outfit. He arrived in WWE in 96, debuting a gimmick that was perhaps his most famous personality. Mankind was an eerie, mentally deranged, like, miscreant who dwelled in the mechanical rooms of the buildings, constantly squealed and randomly shrieked mummy, spoke to a rat <laughs> named George, and regularly took so to acts of masochism, like pulling out <laughs> his own hair. He also wore the mask. Mankind's finishing move was the mandible claw nerve hold, which involved sticking his ring and middle fingers into the opponent's mouth. This catchphrase ever perplexing... Oh, sorry. His catchphrase ever perplexing was, have a nice day. <laughs> and his association with the mechanical rooms led to his speciality match, dubbed the Boiler Room Brawl. It's like such a good like horror, horror. Yeah, film it really kind of is, like, right? Like, like inspired gimmick is excellent. Uh, it's like I feel it's like so you really thought about this. Yeah. Like, Mick Foley, if you're listening to this, can you let us know? Did you <laughs> sit down with like a notebook and be like, right, I'm gonna like literally write this character? Because as we'll hear in the next episode, Mick Foley's a writer. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he's just got this imagination that, that really helps with all these different characters. So many characters are just like stolen so much from this. Like Bray Wyatt took loads of stuff from this, like the Fiend, like uh what was his name in like TNA? Loads of kind of like horror film like basically. Like things just before Kane, like Kane's based on him as well. Mm. There are so many yeah. like a- associations between horror, lore and like wrestling. Yeah. And it makes me so happy because I love both these things. Anyway, um, so this speci- speciality match, the Boiler Room Brawl, was chaotic and dangerous with significant violence and use of weaponry, all taking place inside the arena's mechanical slash boiler room. The objective of the match in most cases was to escape the boiler room first. On the 1st of April, 96, uh, there was an episode of the Monday Night Raw in California, 
the day after WrestleMania 12, Mankind debuted on TV and defeated Bob, Sparky Plug Holly, quickly moving into a feud with The Undertaker. <laughs> the two then began interfering in each other's matches until they were booked in the first of a boiler room ball at SummerSlam. And in addition to escaping the arena's boiler room, the combatant also had to reach the ring and take the urn from Paul Bearer. It's like such like a natural rivalry, that one. Feud, Undertaker programs. and Mankind, yeah. yeah. So good. So... After more than 20 minutes brawling in the boiler room, the backstage corridors and entrance ramp, both men taking some bumps. <laughs> Sorry, just bump sounds so little. Like, it's, yeah. it's not like a... Imagine, you know when you, a kid hits the head and like, oh, bump. That, that's, don't imagine that. <laughs> yeah, bumps are like high impact yeah um <laughs> involving like metal trash cans tables ladders metal poles hot coffee and the exposed concrete floor the undertaker appeared to have won but paul bearer refused to give him the urn allowing mankind to win thus for the time being ending the relationship between paul bearer and the undertaker i love paul bearer like like a paul bearer yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get it so, yeah great little pun that one <laughs> Also, you would think that think, him and Undertaker would be like naturally together. So the fact that like yeah. their their relationship ended at this point was quite interesting. I think people forget how much like how good Undertaker was at hardcore wrestling as well. That wasn't like his his thing, but he took put on some great hardcore matches in his career. Undertaker just put on some great. Undertaker is just great. <laughs> Hi, Full Undertaker, stop. if you're listening to this, <laughs> we like you as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Mankind and Undertaker rivalry continued with the first ever Buried Alive match at In Your House. Colon, Buried Alive. Classic. <laughs> Undertaker won the match, but Paul Bearer, the Executioner, Mankind, and other heels attacked the Undertaker and buried him alive. Afterward, the Undertaker challenged Mankind to a match at Survivor Series, which the Undertaker won. The feud is just like continuing, basically. Mm-hmm. We're coming up to the great moment. So Jim now. Ross then began conducting a series of interviews with mankind. Jim Ross is um like a what's the word? Uh he was like commentator at the commentator, time. Commentator. He was also like <laughs> I think he was also like head of like talent relations at the yeah, time. Yeah, well, he was like big stage. basically. Yeah. Like, um Yeah, commentator is the word I was thinking of. Okay, so he uh, then began a series of interviews with Mankind. During the interviews, Ross brought up the topic of Foley's home videos and the hippie-inspired character he played in them, Dude Love, as well as his tormented journey in wrestling. The interviews also affected the fans who began cheering Mankind, even though he was still heel at this point. So, Dude Love. <laughs> <laughs> Foley debuted a new face persona known as Dude Love, who hoped austin um take a victory becoming the new tag team champions austin and foley or as do love vacated their tag team titles when austin suffered a neck injury in the match at the summer slam in new jersey dude love feuded with triple h when i was doing these in when i was doing these notes they would never say triple h they would always say like hunter helmsley was it Hunter. Hunter S. Helmsley. Oh, that's because and he I'm was like, Hunter up. And I'm like, can you just say Triple H? Like, that's what we know him as now. But yeah, anyway. <clears throat> that was his earlier gimmick, I think. That's when he was still like a blue blood. Also one of my favourites because... Papa H. Yeah, because of his relationship with Stephanie McMahon. So for those of you who don't know, which I'm sure is a lot of you, Triple H is actually married to Stephanie McMahon, still yeah, yeah. married to Stephanie McMahon, who is the daughter of Vince McMahon. But the fact that they are married and have a real relationship is funny because they had like a fake on-screen relationship before they had a yeah, real yeah. relationship. And I just love <laughs> that that kind of transformed yeah, yeah, into that this, turns into an affair. Like real but, love, uh, like is so adorable. And if you look up like Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, like um, the wedding, like you, all of his ushers are like all of the groomsmen are like other wrestlers, and they're just yeah, like yeah. suited up and booted, and I'm like that, that's adorable. <laughs> but he's Papa H now. We all love him. We lo- he's he the is king. The- God save the king. Adorable. He's like he's running it now. I know. Vince is gone. Thank God. <laughs> Blasphemy. Wasn't maybe, Stephanie but- running it really? Uh, 
Yeah, he's GCO, but he's but, yeah. uh, head of creative and head of talent relations and Triple H's booking. I mean, like, I watch wrestling. I always have, but WWE had become really boring over, like, the last few years, like, a long time, mm. sort of dipping and out. Now he's, ba- now he's in charge. Like, I feel like I'm 14 again. Yeah. Like, I'm excited <laughs> to watch it every week. It's so good. <laughs> God bless you, Triple H. can't see Dan's face, but wrestling. he looks like he's just been given, like, an ice cream. <laughs> okay, so... Dude Love feuded with Triple H as the two competed in a Fool's Count Anywhere match. One of Foley's most memorable uh, vignettes uh, aired before the match began in which Dude Love and Mankind (laughs) discussed who should wrestle in the upcoming match. (laughs) Bear in mind that Dude Love and and Mankind are both Mick Foley. Like, (laughs) he was talking to himself. Um, Eventually, they decided... (laughs) It should be Cactus Jack. And Foley's <laughs> old character made his WWE debut as a face. Yes. <laughs> Cactus Jack won the match with a pile driver. Uh, this is actually hilarious. So in the 1998 Royal Rumble, Foley participated under all three personas. So a Royal Rumble is where um, you go into, basically there's a ring and um, people come in at different stages so there'll be the first person every two minutes yeah every two minutes there'll be the first person two minutes later there'll be the second person they'll fight then two minutes later the third person will come in mm-hmm. and you have to get someone is it over the top of the over the top rope yeah to get them out mm-hmm. so sometimes you've got like a ton of people in there but usually with storyline yeah. you'll get the big faces like towards the end of the Royal Rumble yeah. or sometimes in the middle but like sometimes they'll be at the beginning and they'll just get all the way through That's yeah or so, like, but usually it. towards the beginning yeah. it's more of the either less well known or more like kind of fun like yeah. to start it off so under his three personas Catch Jax was the first entry Mankind was the 16th entry and Dude Love was the 28th entry and it's is that 30 <laughs> or 50 yeah 30, 30 yeah. yeah so Dude Love being 28 is it's great. Charlie and Jack defeated the New Age Outlaws in WrestleMania 14 in a dumpster match to win the tag team titles. However, the next night, Vince McMahon stripped them of their belts with a somewhat random reason to do with dumpsters, honestly. Like, they just made the shit up. <laughs> they just, I mean, obviously they make the shit up, but like, don't, really? <laughs> so, uh, on the 6th of April 1998, Foley turned heal when Cactus Jack explained that the fans would not see him anymore because they did not appreciate him and only cared about Stone Cold Steve Austin. Feud. I mean... In one instance, the crowd <laughs> actually started to leave like before one of his matches, but the the ring announcer announced that, that Austin would be like making an appearance and the crowd like came back to their seats and Foley was like, this really emotionally oh hurt him. Yeah. Like, it's not all about staying positive Austin. Um, so Vince McMahon explained to Austin the next week that he would face a mystery opponent on Forgiven. The opponent turned out to be Dude Love, who won the match by disqualification, meaning that Austin actually retained the title. McMahon, displeased with the outcome, required Foley to prove he deserved another shot at Austin's title with a number with a number one contenders match against his former partner Terry Funk. The match was both the WWF's first ever hardcore match and the first time that Foley ever wrestled under his real name. That Mm. is weird and cool. Yeah. Foley won, and after the match, a proud man came out to Dude Love's music and presented Foley with the Dude Love costume. At Over the Edge, Dude Love took on... Steve Austin for the title, McMahon made himself a special referee. However, The Undertaker came ringside to ensure that McMahon called the match fairly, and with his appearance, Dude Love lost the match and was quote-unquote fired <laughs> by Vince McMahon on the 1st of June uh, in Raw. On that same episode of Raw, Foley reverted to his mankind character who had become a more human and less creature-like character and began wearing an untucked shirt with a loose necktie and resumed his feud with the undertaker in a one cell brawl fight barely five minutes after the first bump foley with a separated shoulder 
Kind back up into the top of the cell and Terry Funk and others try to stop him. Because he had a separated shoulder. Yeah, it's, that's just There mad. are things that wrestlers do to indicate to the other people that something's gone wrong and that they yeah. should be stopping or they should be ending that particular match in a certain way. Uh, but Mick Foley clearly just didn't want to end it yeah, in that he way. Just the second bump, which was an unplanned botch, occurred when the Undertaker choke slammed Foley and the fenced panel Foley landed on broke and gave way. Foley then plunged 13 feet through the cell and landed on the ring mat, losing a tooth in the process. <laughs> and mankind lost the match. <laughs> this is the Helen Cell match. Yeah, so like at the beginning, the first thing that happened in that match is he kind of and then the Undertaker threw him off through the, like, the announce table. So although conventional wisdom holds that Hell in a Cell match was responsible for Foley's rise to main event status, live television crowds did not initially get behind Mankind because of this match. Following a couple of months of teaming with Kane, who together won the WWF Tag Team Championship on two occasions, and various feuds with Kane... Austin, The Undertaker, Foley decided that crowds <laughs> might respond better if Mankind was more of a comedy character, so he abandoned the torture and soul characteristics and became more of a goofy kind of oaf. He began to transition into his character following the Summer Sam at 98 after Kane turned on him and the two lost the t- two tag team championships. The following month, Foley began an anger with Vince McMahon, with Mankind trying to be a friend to the hated Vince McMahon. This is this like storyline was incredible. So, for example, <laughs> it's so funny. In uh, October, in an episode of Raw, Vince McMahon was in hospital, nursing wounds suffered at the hands of the Undertaker <laughs> and Kane. Mankind arrived with a female clown called Yerpy in an attempt to cheer him up. <laughs> he only irritated McMahon, so Mankind took a filthy sock of his foot and created a sock puppet named Mister Socko. The sweat sock became just... massively popular with fans, mainly because it was marketed um, mostly by Jerry the King Lawler um, as being a dirty, sweaty, smelly, repulsive, and vile sock. McMahon manipulated mankind, who saw the WWE owner as a father figure, to doing his bidding. Remember, this is all storyline, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> McMahon was not actually in hospital. Like, um,. That that scene was really funny though. I, I, yeah, I can remember it. So YouTube it, everyone. <laughs> um, so McMahon created a WWE Hardcore Championship, and it was awarded to Mankind, making him the first ever champion of the Hardcore division. <laughs> the Hardcore belt was basically just like the old heavyweight belt that was broken and fixed for tape. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> Mankind was then pushed as the favorite to win WWE Championship at Survivor Series, and as McMahon appeared to be manipulating the tournament so that Mankind would win. So. Mankind and The Rock both reached the finals where McMahon turned on Mankind. As The Rock placed Mankind in a sharpshooter, McMahon ordered the timekeeper to ring the bell even though Mankind did not submit. As a result, as a result of the Survivor Series, Mankind officially turned face, as opposed to heel, to hero instead of villain, while Rock turned heel villain <laughs> and became the crown jewel in McMahon's new corporation faction so there's this whole corporation faction thing where Vince McMahon was like kind of collecting evil people <laughs> I get it if that makes yeah, sense his, like, yeah. Yeah. his team of evil superheroes yeah, or villains super, super villains, villains. Um, yeah. after weeks of trying to get his hands on McMahon's new faction the corporation Mankind received a title shot against the rock at rock bottom in your house Mankind won the match by using his mandible claw hold with the Mr. Socko prop on his hand and the referee declared the rock had become unresponsive. But the man overruled the title because Mankind didn't keep his pre-match promise to make the rock submit. Even though he was literally unconscious. (laughs) After several weeks of going after the corporation, Mankind defeated the rock to win his first WWF or WWE championship on the 29th of December. Woo, well done. Um, this is in 98. This was also like a really significant moment in like WWE history because 
This was during like the Monday Night Wars, where it's like WWE versus WCW, and WCW been winning in the. I'm ratings. just about to talk about that. Oh, you can sorry. <laughs> so, uh, the taped show was broadcast on the fourth of January, nineteen nine. So that's the date that WWE recognizes yeah. the title being won. Yeah. Having title changes broadcast on television rather than pay per view was uncommon in professional wrestling, but because of the Monday Night Wars, which is between. <laughs> WWF and WCW, <laughs> television ratings became more important. Foley said that the ratings indicate that large numbers of viewers switched from Nitro to Raw to see him win the title and took personal pride from this. And WCW never beat the WWE in the television ratings yeah. ever again. Yeah. But it's okay, good because they screwed themselves over. Like, WCW gave away the spoilers. They're like, Mick Foley's going to win the title tonight. And we went, really? Stunned yeah. over. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. They screwed themselves over. I love Everyone it. Everyone was like, oh, turning over. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, Mankind lost the WWE Championship to The Rock in an I Quit match, a type of submission match at the Raw Rumble in California. Uh,. And in what was regarded as one of the company's most brutal matches. During the match, Foley took several violent and dangerous bumps from The Rock all over the arena, including several steel chair shots to the head and a fall from the stands onto solid electrical objects which sparked upon impact. Those like chair shots were mad because he had his hands tied behind his back and they were just like straight to his head, Mm. unprotected. Oh, horrible. Well, uh, although steel chair shots to the head were commonplace in the Attitude Era that's like the best era Um, (laughs) the most wrestler should ever take in a single 10 minute match was two sometimes three with their Mm. hands in front of their faces to ease the blow and lessen the chance of a concussion however Foley had taken 11 in the span of two and a half minutes all unprotected ah horrible remember that yeah so this match actually features in Barry Blawson's documentary Beyond the Mat, which shows the impact it had on Foley, his family, and the rest of the audience ringside. Mm. And at one point, Foley's wife, Colette, and their five-year-old daughter, Noelle, both cried and screamed in horror, with Noelle believing her father was dying as the rock pummeled Foley with repeated chair shots. Like, honestly, she was five. Yeah, horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> the match at this point had become so brutal that some people in the audience were sitting... In the front, furiously showing signs of disapproval at The Rock and shouted at him and and the referee to stop the match. The match ended after Mankind lost consciousness and The Rock allies played a recording of Mankind saying, (laughs) I quit from earlier interview, which he did to Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon is the son, right? Yeah, yeah. Mankind (laughs) won the title back in a rematch of Halftime Heat, which aired during the Halftime Super Bowl. Um in WWE's first ever empty arena match in Tuscan, Arizona. After 20 minutes of brawling in the ring, the empty grandstands, a kitchen, the arena's hallways, the office, the (laughs) catering hall, Mankind took a filthy sock from his foot and shoved it in the rock's mouth and then used a forklift to pin the subdued rock in a basement loading area. Yeah, that's very <laughs> the two then completed the last man standing match on St. Saint- Valentine's Day Massacre, which ended without a winner, meaning Mankind retained the title. The next night, uh, Mr. McMahon, <laughs> I don't know why it says that, um, <laughs> next night Vince McMahon booked a ladder match for the championship, which The Rock won with the help of The Big Show. I can't remember, believe I haven't mentioned Big Show yet. Yeah. Kind of big thing, he, big show? I don't he know. He didn't come here quite late, I suppose. He didn't come until like 1999. Yeah, maybe this is why. So, mm. Mankind would go on to wrestle Mania 15 to defeat the big show. Shortly after, big show would team with Mankind, Test, and Shamrock to take on the corporation at Over the Edge. Later in that year, Foley and The Rock patched up their friendship and teamed up to form a comedy team called Rock and Snot Sock connection becoming <laughs> one of the most popular teams during the time the the team won the tag team titles on three occasions which is pretty good so one notable match was a buried alive match that pitted the rock and sock connection against the undertaker and big show who were out for revenge after losing the tag titles one week earlier and this is where i'm gonna pause because this is august 99 where foley actually took a three-month absence so if he's taking an absence, 
so should we and that sounds like a natural a natural break. break i mean also 99 turning into the 2000s it kind of makes sense yeah, to yeah. end at the end of the 90s and then in the next episode we'll pick up the 2000s we'll pick up his leaving wwe returning to wwe career after that what he's doing with his life now and like family personal life stuff lovely stuff well i really enjoyed that all in one go, it would have been absolutely insane. There are a few things I like more than going down memory lane, like wrestling, wrestling, wrestling memory, memory lane. lane. I just love to like go on YouTube and just type in like best Mick Foley moments or something and just like yeah. watch hours of just, just him like, taking steel chairs to the face just over and over again. There is like free content on the WWE Network. There so is some, that's yeah. Not, that's not available in America anymore, is it? It's I don't just know. Else. I th- the one on WWE Network, I mean, there's some free content, but the stuff that you really want to see is pay-per-view. Or it's like, you can get a subscription. There's like good, there's good like Mick Foley, like kind of documentaries on there. And also just watch like the history of the Attitude Era to just see it in its glory because it was just incredible. It was. I just, I love pro wrestling. <laughs> I really love pro wrestling. Yeah. And I'll never stop. It was the best. <laughs> okay, you can follow us on... Twitter and Instagram. Dan never updates Instagram. Uh, have you ever pod? And we also have a Patreon. Have you ever pod? And if you pay two pounds a month, you can get a archived episodes. You can vote in our polls and get all those important updates from us about about you know our podcast. All that history goodness. Yeah. Um, that's all the announcements we have, isn't it? Yeah. So. Oh, and review us and like. You know, oh, all yeah. that stuff. All that good stuff. You know, you listen to podcasts, you know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know the drill. And see you next time. Bye. Bye.